0: Daniels, He's going to keep. He's going to walk into the end zone. Here comes one to the cup. Woo! Left hand layup, good. Kansas is the twenty twenty three WNIT champions. This is the Jay Hawker Podcast presented by the University of Kansas Health System.
1: What's up, Jayhawk Nation? This is Greg Gurley and Wayne Simeon here for another edition of the Jay Hawker Podcast, brought to you by the University of Kansas Health System and the downtown Hilton President Hotel. Wayne and I are excited to welcome our first guest. We've been trying to corral this guy, one of the most popular guys in Lawrence, been here now in his third year. Coach K, Andy Koltenecki, has just been a, a godsend for us on this program this football program now, again, in his third year and is just unprecedented offensive numbers. But we're going to get into it with Coach K. Andy, welcome to the Jay Harker podcast.
0: Listen, I'm fired up to be here. And I did a quick Google search on most popular podcast before jumping on. I do think maybe after this episode, we'll catch Joe Rogan. I feel, <laughs> I feel good. A lot of clicks. We right need it. Now. You bring the noise. <laughs> You know, we're gonna
1: find out. We know what we bring. What does, what does Coach Cape bring? But man, you've been uh, you've been so good. It's been so fun to get to know you. It's been so fun to watch what you've done with our program, along with all your other coaches. And you know, we, we we've talked a lot about how how important it is. We'll kind of go through your background with Coach Leipold. You joined him and. 2013 in Wisconsin, Whitewater, kind of from that area. And and you've been with them ever since now, 10 years. You followed him to Buffalo. And then like most of the staff at Buffalo, you followed him to Kansas, got your big shot. And, man, have you guys been great. So uh, talk a little bit about your journey with, with Coach Leipold.
0: Well, we met. So uh, I was the offensive coordinator at University of Wisconsin, River Falls. And if um, I'm sure many of our listeners are Chiefs fans. Uh, Wisconsin River Falls was the summer home for the Kansas City Chiefs for many years and so that's where I played college football anyway I had left after I got done playing and started my coaching career and went back there as the offensive coordinator and during that time that's when coach uh, Lipo got the head job at Wisconsin Whitewater so we actually got to know each other coaching against each other uh, in the in the Wisconsin um, uh, league up there the state league for football um develop the relationship like you do a lot of times when you're coaching in a conference you know the, the, the coaching world in every sport is pretty small and uh, we actually had our very first conversation on a bus I sat down next to him and his wife on a shuttle bus from oh where was it it was, it was Nashville we were going down to the Opryland that's where the national convention was and I sat next to him and I knew who he was and and uh, we had shook hands and whatever for 30 minutes we talked and and kind of developed the relationship. And then I had left and went to a division two school in North Dakota and he had an opening on staff a couple years into that. And, and, um, I ended up Wisconsin whitewater with him, which was a lot of fun. we never lost a game. The two years I was there, which was a blast. And as you pointed out that we have an opportunity to go to the university at Buffalo and we went. And, um, as you, as you noted, you know, it's our 11th year together, which in this profession is a long time. Um, but we we, we've been able to stay both pro- professionally, and personally stimulated along the way because you're making these moves, you're making this, this jump up, if you will, every time, um, you know, after about four years when we were at Buffalo and we had a, a 10 win season, which, you know, pretty, pretty unprecedented there. Um, we had a whole lot of players that were leaving. And so the, the narrative was kind of, well, now you're not gonna be any good anymore. And we were able to win, you know, a bowl game the next year and go to another bowl game the year after that win it. And, and so we were always able to stay, you know, like, Hungry with the spots we had and then the Kansas opportunity came and it was kind of a no-brainer to come and do this. And, um, you know, we've enjoyed Lawrence a lot as you commented, Greg, about just getting to know the people around here. I didn't expect much when we were coming here. I I had some preconceived notions to be fully transparent about what it was going to be like because I thought it was going to be similar to maybe taking over at Buffalo. But it wasn't very long in the process that we all kind of learned and discovered what the the alumni base, what they're yearning for, how much you know this logo. Where I'm on my shirt here; you can't see it, right? The Jayhawk logo um, means across the country and the pride that's involved with it. It was it was surprising, and um, so it was obviously we're internally motivated to do well. But but you could you recognize, man, there's there's something here that when it wakes up will be pretty special and it's been cool. We, we definitely don't feel like we've arrived yet. We've got a long way to go. Um, trying to get better every day, but it's been neat to kind of bring, you know, wake up the echoes if you will, right. Of, of, of Jayhawk football and, and, and this, the Jayhawk alumni nation and, and the fans and when the booth gets going, I mean, it's pretty cool from when we first got here. So it's been really neat. That's what, and that's, that's my journey, I guess, with coach. Um, like I said, it's been 11 years. It's been it's been fun. We've had a lot of good fun, a lot of good times.
2: Yeah, well, it's been cool to hear about that journey specifically with you and Coach. Tell us about your journey from an offensive philosophy standpoint because Whitewater, Buffalo, Kansas had success at all those stops. But, of course, those programs are significantly different. The personnel is different. Uh, the error uh, just, you know, in terms of college football and how that's changed in a matter of, uh, you know, 11 years is different. Help us give a a better glimpse into your, your coaching philosophy offensively.
0: Yeah, that's a great question, and we could we could be here all day talking about that. But I'll I'll, I'll try to summarize the best I can. And we I think this is my eighteenth year of being an offensive coordinator. And to your point, Wayne, like you know things at Whitewater versus Buffalo, the different years that your, your your team changes. And I think when you look at coaching, you know, as a spectrum, and on one spectrum you have, okay, we have a system. OK, and the players that we recruit and the players we want in our program better fit this system or else they're not going to work out here. And the other end of the spectrum you have, you know, I'm talking the philosophical spectrum. You said, OK, we have players and the things that we do schematically need to make sure that they fit what the players abilities are and limitations. So we've always been able to lean towards the our system and what we run and what we emphasize is going to it's going to tailor towards the capabilities and limitations of our players. Now, we still have core understanding of what we want to do, you know, the way that we want to be able to move the football, the kind of, you know, some things that you don't negotiate based off of what whoever your players are, you know, principles like ball security, right? Okay, you know, making sure you're not turning the ball over, right? Things that we that everyone knows. But the how much you emphasize of certain plays, the kind of plays that you run really – need to be dictated by the kind of players you have. And I think one of the biggest challenges in coaching, and I've said this before, I think on, you know, maybe in press conferences or when, if, if a coaching clinic comes up, I think one of the most important things that a coach can do, and really if you're a teacher, it's the same thing, uh, really understanding what your players or your students' limitations are and what their capabilities truly are. And So the only way you can really understand those two things is by spending time with them. And giving them a lot of reps of doing what they need to do and have the ability to show what they're capable of or show what they're not capable of and i think as long as you know a player's limitations and you don't put him in a position that they have to do things that their limitations um you know would require them to do and avoid those situations really capitalize the chance to do things that the kids are capable of and you got a chance right to, to be good and i think the, the challenge for us, is, as I'm saying all these things, Wayne, because the question about philosophically how it's changed, when we first got here, you got to keep in mind we got here in May, right? It was May. Yeah, no so spring, spring ball. Football, yeah. Yeah, spring football was over. And so, you know, and, and, and this was before the NCAA changed the rules about having a ball in the summertime. So if you can imagine trying to figure out, you know, who a starting quarterback is going to be without ever seeing him throw a football until you get to your first day of fall camp. And, you know, that was one of the challenges unique to hear is, it, is you need to get in a hurry. We had to figure out what the capabilities and limitations of the players were. You know, you watch film and you try to do all that sort of stuff, but you really never know until you're in the weeds with the kids. So um, the philosophy has always grown. It, it grows heck week to week. It changes. It's an evolving thing. And I, I always say our playbook is a living document, mm. right? Because, because it needs to, I mean, the same principles were there, you know, again, 17 years ago when I was coordinating for the first time. There's some things there, but, I mean, it's it's evolved um, through, all, through all the years, and it has to. Right? It's just, it's just That's just competitive athletics.
1: Well, you, you talk about evolving and, and personnel and system and philosophies. You know, you, you go into the season with uh, Heisman hopeful and Jalen Daniels and, and doesn't play in the first game, plays in those next three games, and then you're kind of met with adversity to where you don't have them against Texas. You throw Jason Bean in there. How nice is it? to have such a great backup. And then you look at the numbers, you know, against Central Florida, he doesn't throw it much. You just ran it down their throats, 399 yards rushing. So Oklahoma State's looking at you like, okay, they're going to try to run it. And what does he do? 410 passing yards against Oklahoma State. So just talk about the luxury of having such a a, a good backup in Jason Bean. Well,
0: it's a huge deal. Um, and, I, and I've always contested. You know, with people, I said, how many people have the luxury of having two guys who started in one power five football games on their roster at the quarterback position? And we went into the season doing that, and Jason made, um, you know, in a world where the grass is always greener in the world of, hey, you know what I mean, time to move on. Jason decided to stay and and wanted to help this football team, and and I think if you were to ask him, you know, to to believe in what we're doing and wanting to be part of the change, um, knowing that his opportunity would 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 and could come in the way that we are multiple in offense and how the, the different ways that we could use him um, and then gets in this situation where he's starting you know half the games right now and uh, playing pretty decent you know and um, I, I think uh, it's a luxury that most teams would want to have and uh, I'm really proud of Jason because of his his approach to um, the opportunity in the moment and in in us not being able to really skip a beat you um, with him at the quarterback spot has really helped us. And as you noted, you know, has the ability to do what's necessary to help us move the ball and score points, right? One week, it might be, you know, the run game emphasis and the checks that he might have to make and the option game that's involved with it. And the next week it might be ripping the ball on the field to have over 400 yards thrown. So um, again, what's he capable of? What are his limitations and and making the offense work around him uh, is a, is a big deal. I'm glad that you
2: mentioned uh, that dynamic that we have there. You think about a game like UCF, peel off 400 yards on the grounds, a game like at Oklahoma State, air raid, 400 yards in the air. We can do both. Is that more of a game plan that you see opponent by opponent? Is it feel like, hey, man, we got some guys that have a good rhythm. Let's keep going like – how, how do you choose and decide what what threat offensively we're really going to anchor down on?
0: That's a that's a good question. Um, and I think it depends a lot on your opponent that you have and also depends on your personnel. So how do you match up? Um, you know, I'm not a basketball guy, but I think I understand this analogy. If you got some good big guys. And well, they don't speak any, our language.
2: And I love that he started with right? big guys. Yeah, Come on, That's what Come I'm on, saying, Andy?
0: right? So I, I know the audience, right? <laughs> if... if, if uh if if your opponent doesn't have the big guys you're probably gonna be working banging the boards down there a little bit right you know so so that applies to football as well that 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 logic right and i think what i'm excited about with within our offense is that we've shown the ability to have personnel that would exploit either deficiency that a defense might have right and so to be able to we always plan for balance you know you never go into a game saying hey we're gonna run the ball." You know 75 percent of the time we're going to throw it 75 percent of the time you, you, we want to make sure that we're staying balanced as an offense and that we're distributing the ball well because at the end of the day that's what's the hardest to defend um and as the game progresses and when you, you know you start hitting explosive plays or you know the week before it was explosive runs and last week's it was explosive passes you, you can recognize that 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 matchup is what you want to keep exploiting so it's a little bit of all of what you said you know but i think uh, we do value our preparation as as an organization like we're we're all about making sure we do a good job of preparing and kind of identifying and having a plan for hey what happens if you know we have to run the ball a bunch in this game do we have enough calls or we have to throw the ball a bunch in this game do we have enough calls and um credit to the kids we're able to game plan we have some experience coming back so you can you can stack a lot of things on top of each other for our guys and carry maybe a little bit more offense into games than normal
1: I want you to comment on a few things. You know, the our administration has has brought everybody back on the coaching staff, which rarely happens in big time college football. You guys have obviously bought in, and Travis and his staff realized how 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 important all of you guys are, and every single one of you. You're signed up through you know twenty seven, and, and and Coach Leipold the same. And, and and again, how how important is it to have that? Kind of backstop our our, uh, Travis and 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 all all the people involved to to want to bring everybody back and your your longevity with all these guys that came from Buffalo and you you, you're just comfortable with each other and it's got to help a huge amount.
0: Yeah, I I think you know your point when an administration recognizes the importance of what we're doing and 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 again value again I'm, I'm talking to me and I know the other staff but. That was you as an individual and then collectively as a staff. It, it's it, one, it's humbling, right? But it's also motivating because you recognize yeah, there, there's, like we kind of commented when we first got here, there's a lot going on here. There's a, there's a whole state and, a, and an alumni base that's one of the strongest in the country that is, that, that's yearning for us to continue to succeed and, and, and move the needle forward. And, to, and what you had said there, Greg, with, you know, I think one of the things that we're bringing and that we have brought is some consistency. And so that we can speak the same language uh, really quick and get on the same page and allows you to really, I think, as an individual within the building, I'm talking as a staff now, you know, when there's a lot of trust that's already built, it allows every individual to really thrive in their area, but then also move the needle forward in other areas that you might not think about, you know, right? Like from the recruiting and to, to, to infrastructure of a staff to you know, making sure they're all on the same page because coach can trust that the D coordinator, or the O coordinator, or the strength coach or the recruiting coordinator like are all speaking the same language. So when they go to their individual departments, you know, you're getting a staff of people on the same page. So when you talk about administration, you know, wanting that and recognizing the importance of it, that's a big deal uh, because it matters a ton when you're trying to get a whole building of division one power five football on the same page, which then again goes beyond just our football building and you know, it goes into other parts of athletics. And I really appreciate, you know, I think when you look at, and I don't know this and you guys can comment better than me, the like, there's been quite a bit of consistency in the basketball staff too. If I, if I know Craig, is that right? Right Oh,
1: bills going yeah. into his 21st yeah. year and his assistants have been with him the majority of those years. And then you got, you know, it as good as anybody when you have, when you're comfortable and your, your consistency uh, it's just a lot easier to start with new guys, yep. new players. And it just, it, and you have so many
0: more people that are speaking the language and getting, you know, getting everyone pulling the rope if you are the same direction. Right. So, I, I think that that it's probably an understated component of success for a lot of power five athletic teams. You know, yep. ones that have been good.
2: Earlier in the pod, you had mentioned uh, how good the environment has been at David Booth, Kansas Memorial Stadium, how it's been rocking uh, the last uh, several years. And uh, looking forward to a homecoming sellout uh, here against OU uh, in a couple weeks. So, uh, Jayhawk Nation, we're going to need you guys to be there to pack the booth. Uh, But a lot of that has to do with not just because we're winning, but because we are a fun offensive team to watch. And one of the more enjoyable things that I enjoy watching from your schemes is your is your pre snap motion. And so, give, give, give us a glimpse into the thought behind that. Is it smoke and mirrors? Is it misdirection? Or is it strategic and getting guys in the right uh, position area? Talk to us a little bit about about that.
0: Well, it's it's really it's all of those things. So when you're moving around, um, first of all. Uh, I appreciate you saying that, by the way, it's nice. And we do what we're able to do. We're do what we do because we have players that are able to buy in and understand the nature of that stuff. Cause as simple as it may look, sometimes it's not, you know what I mean? It, like there's a lot of rehearsal and, and uh, training that we do to make sure our guys know how to motion and where to motion to and all, all that sort of stuff. Uh, but the reasons that you would do those sort of things is, um, well, one, you might create a, a personnel matchup that you're looking for. Uh, two, you're looking typically for leverage advantages, right? It may maybe in a blocking or a passing scheme. Uh, you might be looking for a numbers advantage where you can outnumber somebody on one side or the other. You'd be doing those things to indicate coverages or what a defensive front or structure going to do. And you might be doing it to simply make sure you're adding a lot of stress to the defensive players because they're making formation checks and adjustments every time, and if you can show them – two or three formations before a ball snapped. That's a lot of communication that they have to do. So those are all things, the reasons that we do it. Uh, but again, I'll just reiterate this, a credit to our players because we do that stuff because they're mentally capable of doing it.
2: Coach all right, so playing
1: chess, not checkers out here. Come on, move the pieces <laughs>
0: around
2: on the board before we snap it off. I always <laughs> love
1: those quarterback shows or whatever when they're going through the, the, the call. So I'd like for you... Without okay. giving away trade secrets, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what's the most like, you know, triple Z right? You know, <laughs> Conquer truck whatever. What's got? the longest play call you got without giving something away to the all of our okay. opponents that are watching this? I
0: will find one here. I- I'll listen. I got call sheets right here at my feet. I'll I'll find give me a second. Okay. I gotta do one that's older. I gotta do one that's and then
1: we're gonna need you to uh, uh, explain it to us. Yeah, because we're gonna we're
2: we're gonna find out why we play basketball and not and not football. Okay, because if If you watch a couple years ago,
1: if you watch Bill do it or whatever, his plays are like nose, nose, cheek, cheek. That's it. So you're gonna have something, and I want you to (laughs) even even if you make it up, let's hear it.
0: We have some calls that are that simple, right? That you could that are one word and, and mean a lot of things. Okay. And I'm 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 trying to find a good one here for you that's not going to spill any beans that are maybe some opponent or somebody was watching that they might um, steal something from
1: it. Just so the public knows, you're in the headset talking to Jason, correct? No, uh-uh. that's only NFL. That, that's a, that's that's a, an NFL. That's an NFL thing only. In so college, you're, you don't get to do that. So you're conveying this to a guy. The... I
0: convey. I convey. Here's how this works. So I'm in the press box, and I convey um, first of all the personnel down to coach samuel our receiver coach and coach wallace our running back coach and then make sure that we have the right 11 players in the field and then i convey the play call down to coach zabrowski our quarterback coach who then signals it into the to the to the quarterback and an example of one and i'll just share this with you this is a couple years ago and we don't use this much anymore uh at all pistol z across the twins left weak fake eight 700 roll tight h trash our
1: back double trash our back double okay now, kind of Break that down for us
0: if you can. Well, they always start with uh, the play calls. We always start with a backfield alignment. So, where a running back would probably go. And then we tell all the other eligible receivers of where to line up. And so, those, there's terms for formations to where to go. And then there'll be some sort of shifter motion with it. And then, so that would be the next part of it. And then there's going to be the run play or the um, pass protection part of it next. And then all the pertinent tags that would tell what kind of run scheme adjustment it might be or what kind of pass play it would be.
1: So like when we're watching Uh, a game and like some teams you see hold up like these massive signs with mm -hmm. like a station wagon on it, a tree, and like, do we do that? Well, uh, we, we do
0: not. um, Although I have in the past, sometimes those, and depending on who you're playing, they, those are simply distractions. Decoys. Yeah. Uh, Yep. Sometimes they, they, when, when we've done them in the past, sometimes that they'll, one symbol is the formation another symbol is the play um sometimes they might be like the tempo at which the coach wants to play do you know so like 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 for example, we've never done this, but I know some teams would like if you see a a symbol of like a dollar sign or anything with money on one of the signs that would mean hey we're gonna we're not gonna snap the ball we're gonna go up there and present a like a dummy cadence, you know what I mean and try to get you to jump off sides and we'll take a look and then we'll signal on the play that we want to run so, um, you know, I, I, it's it's communication, right? So, I mean, we can do almost the entire English language <laughs> using sign language. Omaha. So, yeah, it, exactly. And, and and when he used to do that, Omaha would mean that they would snap the ball in the first sound with our, our guy Peyton Manning. If you ever watch him, he'd go, Omaha, and then you would say, set up, and the ball gets get snapped. Right. And so that's what it meant for him forever for, for all those years.
1: Has there been talk of, like, being able to communicate, you communicating with the quarterback? I know they do it in the NFL. What about in yeah. the college game?
0: Yeah, that's uh, that is on the docket I think to be discussed. Come
1: on, rules committee, Some,
0: push
2: that
1: yeah, through. I, that yeah.
0: would make it, your it job has, a I, ton it, easier, right? Yeah, I would. Yeah, I would enjoy that. It'd be great. You can, you know, because you know when you just think about the little things that you can communicate that the NFL gets to do. From hey, all right, you know, there's eight seconds left in the half, and you're on the 30 yard line going in, and you maybe want to steal 10 more yards or five more yards to maybe make the field go a little closer. You could just alert to the quarterback and say, hey, listen. You know, we're going to call this play. And if it's not there, throw it out right away. Right. You know, one little reminder like that before you break the huddle, it would be a huge deal. So, um, that's, uh, I think it'd be great, but who knows, right? In mean, today's technology
1: have, world, though, it wouldn't be
0: that difficult. It'd be a, uh, right? Oh, I'd be, be falling a bit easy. Right. Heck, I just saw a commercial. I was watching one of the games the other day. Um, oh, I forget the university. Like, I think it's at University. And they, and they, um, uh, it's a school for for the deaf and hard of hearing and they and they have the ability to have a little the helmet has a little uh a little chip in there so you can see the play and all the kids can see it and it's a, it's sent in that way. Yeah.
2: yeah. Obviously on Me- the offense, our skill guys get the bulk of the credit for, you know, big time plays and getting it into the touchdown. Hey, tell us a little bit about the fellas in the trenches, the big fellas. brag yeah, right on the-, the big fellas. Tell us about Nowitzki, yeah. Pooney, and the type of job they've done and if I, if I remember correctly, I've seen a, a broadcast or two where, where they've highlighted those guys and they, they talk yeah. about them working in symphony and, and and unison and just harmony. Tell us about the job they've done this season.
0: Well, I would tell you if you want a really good glimpse into what a football team is like, you can look at their evaluate, evaluate and look at their offensive line and how they handle themselves. Um, that, in my mind, is the most important position group. Um, we set up and organize what we do offensively based off of their capabilities first and foremost, and then the quarterback second, um, because you can do whatever you want in the backfield, but if your goal line's not able to handle it, then there's not going to be any good. So, um, a credit to those guys, they have done a fantastic job all year of being on the same page, uh, from our center, Mike Nowitzki to the left guard Armage, and then the left tackle and Pooney and right guard, um, uh, Michael Ford and Kobe Baines has been rotating in the right tackle but Do those six guys play. It's a pretty significant amount of snaps for us up front. And then they're on the same page and that's hard. You know what I mean? To, to take those five guys and make sure that they know the blocking schemes and where we're going. And we always say it really doesn't matter what we do. It just matters that we're all on the same page and, and they're able to communicate and work together. And so when you use, you know, they're orchestrated in, 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 a, in almost a symphony like manner, you know, the way they play together, it's, it's, It's our work to me. I think it's it's incredibly important for the success of our football team, how we play in the box on both sides of the ball.
1: Well, contrary to popular belief, you're on a bye week, and sometimes the NBA All-Star, we see guys go on the Bahamas or Travis Kelsey's at Saturday Night Live after they played last Thursday. That's where I'm going, Bahamas. The Bahamas. (laughs) So what we were talking before we turned on here, and your your quote-unquote bye week is not an off week. I mean, you're in the office, you guys will be practicing. Kind of take us through the next 10, 12 days before homecoming when we play Oklahoma.
0: Yeah, so uh, we're we're practicing this week, you know, and there's a balancing act of making sure that you continue to develop the players that are playing. You want to take some time to develop the guys maybe who haven't played as much, and so you're spending more attention with them. You want to make sure guys are getting healthy. Um, which is occurring, and and I, and I we had just met this morning as an offensive unit, and I said, you know, our, our objectives in the bye week here are one, to do some good self-scout, you know, evaluating of what, you know, we're doing well, what we can need to do better at, you know, maybe from a coaching or a, a technique standpoint. And then you're going to spend some time on uh, introduction to Oklahoma, um, although you don't want to spend too much time on that because that's a long time between, you know, now and next, next Saturday kickoff. And then I said that it's a challenge for self-discovery this week for everybody. So we have a cut-up for all of our players and every play that they've watched, they, they played. And they're going to watch it. And they're going to get back and say, here's a couple things I need to get better at. Here's a couple things I'm doing well. Um, so that's going to happen all day this week. And then the, and then the rest of this, most of the staff will be out Thursday and Friday and Saturday recruiting. We'll come back and practice uh, Sunday and then you know the next week. And then we're going to go Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And we're, we're on it. Big homecoming game. 11 o'clock kickoff. Should be rocking and rolling.
2: We'll get you out of here with this, Coach. What is or has been your favorite offensive play? Not not play call, but play that's actually manifested this year. You know, I think about this year? Uh, Luke, Luke Grimm's amazing catch uh, against Illinois before he went into halftime. Of course, you know, Neil Hyshaw had some big gashes. Personally, I thought – that uh Mason Fairchild's two catches uh this last weekend were pretty impressive because even though he he is a great athlete but he he's not going to blaze past anyone and it was amazing how he just walked past the defense uh for those two big catches right right up the seam. So what what's been your favorite offensive play that's manifested up until this point?
0: That is a hard question to answer. That's basically saying which of your children. Are there? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Like and you can't answer that publicly, you know, even though inside you might have a real answer, but you can't ever share that outside, you know, uh, any one of them that have worked. I, I like all of them. I uh, am I'm passionate about what what we do here and I appreciate good, uh, good football. And so when, when, when they execute kind of exactly like we want, although all the examples you gave are ones that would come top of mind, too, um, are, are, are good. You know, and they're fun as a teacher and a coach, and say, "Hey, listen. When we line up and do this, if you do just this, they're going to react like this, and this is what's going to happen." And that's rewarding when you can, you know what I mean? Like you can say, "Hey, listen. This is how it's going to work," and it works out that way, and uh, everyone's pretty happy. But I can't pick one, Wayne. I can't. I'm sorry. That's a bad answer. I know. But if it's a touchdown, I'm usually happy.
1: <laughs> well, our guest today has been Coach K, a future politician. With that answer, that was. That's a father, father answer. That. I get it. It was that. a father answer. I, 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 I did not know that it I was, it was all all my that receivers. near and dear to him. So I, love, I
2: get it. I get. It. That's fair. I, we'll will yeah, allow that because like
0: he gave the like father Devin analogy. Scores, I'm happy when when Daniel scores. I'm I, happy when Grim scores. I'm happy when Mason scores. You know. I, I get like, it. I mean,
1: yeah. I mean, we're both I, I right. You're going to be a good politician. You're a great offensive coordinator. We're not arguing with you. That was the right answer. We all got kids, <laughs> and it was a great analogy. I, I would. I, I might tell you, but I, I'm not gonna say it on this deal. But <laughs> yeah. hey, man, I appreciate your time, and I know it's a busy week on again your quote unquote bye week. But you're gonna be on yeah. the road, spend some time with your family this weekend, I hope, and uh, get back on the gridiron next Saturday. And like you said, I mean, you're, you and your coaches, and you know the kids get so much more out of it when that booth is packed. And and, wow. and you know you, that first year was tough. I mean, yep. y- you didn't have a spring practice. You you had to go in uh, kind of blind, and sometimes the crowds were were bad. And then, but that second year starting out five and zero had to have just been so fun. And right back at it again at five and two after the loss last week. But so many good things more than halfway through the year, and just excited about the finish.
0: We are too, man. We're fired up to to to, to finish the season out the right way. And you're absolutely right. Let's pack that booth, man, on uh, next Saturday. It'll be rocking.
1: All right, man. I appreciate your time, and I look forward to seeing again one of the really, really good guys in the Kansas Athletic Department. Coach K, I appreciate it.
0: I appreciate you guys. You're the best. Rock Chalk. Rock Chalk.
1: Well, this is the Hawker Podcast, brought to you by the University of Kansas Health Systems and the President. Hilton Hotel, downtown Kansas City, downtown by the Power & Light, T-Mobile Center, Wichita State game, December 30th, concerts, Big 12 Tournament. Big 12
2: Tournament times two, and I was reminded last week because, well, not just extra day, but historically, right, it's been the men and the women's tournament on the same kind of weekend, Wednesday through Saturday, and now it's split. We've got the women's Big 12 Tournament the week before men's a week after so you get double the opportunity to drop down on philip stranade and have a great stay there at the president hotel i'm actually saw more basketball more teams more basketball more games that'll be
1: that'll be a good event we're going to take a quick break we come back we're going to be joined by another kansas legend chandler gibbons on a hot streak hot streak senior uh will join us here on the jacker podcast brought to you by the university of kansas health system
3: I had this patient. His cancer treatment had him in the hospital for a while. One day, he was telling me about his grandson and how a big night was coming up for him. So we arranged to make it a big night for my patient, too. I sometimes wonder if I'm doing all I can. Then I help make a moment like this possible, and I know I am.
1: Welcome back to the Jayhawker Podcast, brought to you by the University of Kansas Health System. I am Greg Gurley, along with Wayne Simeon, and we are joined by one of the best athletes in all of Kansas athletics, Chandler Gibbons, a stud cross-country runner, Division I Athlete of the Week, earlier this month as named by the U.S. Track and Field and Cross-Country Association. Please welcome Mr. Chandler Gibbons, to the podcast thanks for having me you know uh, we look at some of your accolades um, broke Jim Ryan's 5k school record earlier this year how about that just talk about how that feels to break I mean that's a obviously a long-standing record and and an iconic Kansas Jayhawk
3: yeah um, I mean it was it was awesome Uh, you know to look back on not only him but all the other amazing runners who have come through and to be able to kind of put my stamp on, you know, the record book and the program was really, really neat. And I got to talk to him briefly at the Kansas relays a couple of weeks after I broke the record and, you know, he was just really excited for me. And, um, yeah, it was really, really awesome.
2: It's such an incredible resume you're putting together, especially this fall being, uh, two-time Big 12 runner of the week. And, and when you have uh, a PR like you had earlier this season, or you break a record, a longstanding record like Jim Ryan. When you start the race, are you initially thinking like, okay, hey, I'm feeling good enough. I've had a good enough week of preparation. I feel like I can, I can break a record. I can PR. Or is it as the race progresses, you start to build confidence and kind of get a feel for things like, man, this could be a special day for me?
3: Yeah, I think it's more – heading into it, you feel ready because of the preparation that you've had. Uh, Especially on the track, breaking the the 5K record, it was more of, you know, I felt that I was ready to compete against a, a lot of the best guys who were at that meet. And they were all guys who had run well under, you know, 1340 or under 1330. And so just knowing that I was, ready to go race against them uh really gave me confidence and then as the race unfolds you you can kind of just feel that you know it's an exciting day and um you know as you get closer to the finish line and you're further up in the pack and you know you have your mind on winning it just gets more and more exciting and you just want to get there first even more let's
1: talk a little bit about where you're from you know, as a Kansas Jayhawk, you're from Columbia, Missouri. Did you grow up a Missouri fan and they just didn't recruit you? Your parents, where did they go? And then how did you leave Columbia, Missouri to get to Lawrence, Kansas? And how is that viewed when you go back home for Christmas?
3: Yeah, uh, I was born in Columbia, raised in Columbia. Both my parents went to mizzou they met there my sister went to mizzou so i was raised a big mizzou fan uh they like to bring out the pictures of me and in all the mizzou stuff (laughs) from my early years um and i say you know everyone's allowed to make mistakes but um yeah i was i was a big mizzou fan and uh coming through the recruiting process um you know, a handful of schools were were kind of seriously looking at me. And I got a call from Coach Witt here at KU. And, you know, I picked up and he gave me his his spiel. And I thought, well, you know, I'll, I'll talk to him. You know, it's fine. I'm not going to go there. I don't want to go to KU. And then, you know, he invited me on a, a visit. And I said, okay, well, I'll go on the visit. It'll be a cool experience. And then I came here and ended up loving it. And, you know, I, I still, you know, I still love Columbia, but, you know, my allegiances have changed for sure. And yeah, I mean, my, my family has been really supportive of me being here. Um, there's not really, there's no real bad blood, just a little bit of trash talking every now and then. Um, when they
1: come to a meet, will they wear like a KU
3: shirt, like, but like a gray one, or will they wear like a,
1: <laughs> where they go like blue and
3: red? Yeah. My sister gave me a, a Kansas shirt that was black and gold once, um, trying to get me to wear that. And I, I just, I said, I'm not going to wear that, but you can, you can, kid uh, yeah. but my, yeah, my, my dad was a pretty big holdout, but he's got his his set of KU cross country and track stuff now. So that's what he wears. And, you know, the, the rest of the family, they they say that they'll support KU track, KU cross country, but it's not gonna expand beyond there. Oh, that's such a great
2: and uh, cool dynamic. And I like how you came here on a visit pretty casually, maybe not all that interested and then, and then got hooked. And, you know, there's another uh, Jayhawk with a similar background, Christian Brown and his family having deep, deep uh, Missouri ties, and needless to say, it worked out pretty well for him. And so it'll be good to see you continue to have uh, an immense amount of success here as a Jayhawk, and uh, and not have to take that family banter nearly as much because uh, your resume uh, speaks for itself. And you know, you mentioned uh, Coach Witt a little bit earlier, and. And obviously, uh, you've been here for a while in, in your se- senior season, and and talk a little bit about the development uh, that the coaching staff, he and, and Coach Stanley Redwine, as well, uh, from a track and field perspective, have helped shape and develop you a- as a runner, uh, especially to have your most productive years here in your senior season.
3: Yeah, um, I mean, Coach Witt is the the main coach that I work with most of the time, and he and I throughout the uh, the past five or four years have just developed a really great relationship. And, you know, it's rare that he and I won't be on the same page and, you know, we trust each other with, with everything and, you know, we'll bounce ideas off of each other for race plan. And, you know, he gives me a lot of confidence, um, heading into these big races. Uh, I mean, I remember specifically my last workout before the Stanford meet where, I went on and PR would by 30 seconds, you know, he stopped me after the workout and just told me if anybody is ready to run a big race, it's going to be you. And, you know, he's just great about giving me that confidence and, you know, helping me to, to see myself being successful. And coach Redwine is the same way. Um, you know, he's, he's always, you know, pushing us and excited, you know, for us when we're successful and, uh, you know he's willing to to say stuff if we're un, we're not successful. So um, both of them have have been great. And just from a technical side, you know you see the the changes in my performances over the last four years. You know you see how much it's it's paying off being under them and getting coached by them. You know they know what they're doing. And so I really couldn't be more grateful to have ended up with them and and two guys who really know what they're doing.
1: For the novice track and field and cross-country guy like myself and probably some of our listeners, take us through what the season is like in the fall and as you move forward.
3: Yeah, so uh, we started off the fall. Uh, I didn't race the first couple of meets just because my season in the spring had run a little bit later than some of the other guys on the team. And uh, I just felt like I needed a little bit more time to get fully into shape and ready to race. Um, I guess there's there's a difference between being able to to race and just being able to run fast. Um, you know, just adding that competitive aspect of of running, and so I I held out and then opened up my my season a couple of weeks ago at Notre Dame, and um, really got to to compete, which was the big thing. Um, and then moving forward, um, we we just had a meet last weekend the pre-national invitation out in Virginia. And that's kind of it for the regular season. And we'll start going into the postseason meets now and go race uh, up in Ames for the conference championships, which should be a lot of fun. Um, There's a lot of really good teams in the Big 12. Um, Oklahoma State, Iowa State, BYU, and uh, Texas are all really strong teams. And so getting the chance to race against them you know, and, and the conference championship is a lot of fun, and then we'll head on to to regionals where you know you qualify for nationals out of there, and nationals is one meet out in Virginia um, in the middle of November.
2: How does your mindset change uh, as it transitions from, I guess, quote unquote, the the regular season, and now you're getting into kind of some postseason uh, Big Twelve national type meets? Is this something that hey, I want to enter into this? Uh, feeling really free and relaxed, or or do you come uh, with an, an extra edge of competitiveness or focus? What how, how does that change as you progress uh, later into the cross country season?
3: Uh, I would say it definitely. You know, you you have a different edge going into you know this next meet, especially. Um, you know my my big my big shift that I had last spring was following the indoor track, indoor conference championships, I was, you know, really disappointed with my performance. And I said, I said to myself that I didn't want to finish, you know, behind anyone in the next conference championships. And so that's what I set out to do. And that's, that was what I accomplished. And so, you know, having that same focus right now, heading into this meet is, has been kind of my goal to just think about, you know, what I'm going to do to win this next meet, win this next race. And then you know, after that, it's it's one week at a time and go out and, you know, accomplish the job at, at regionals and, you know, book my ticket. And then from there, it's, you know, the ultimate level of focus where, you know, that's that's the, the pinnacle of the season. That's the last race. And so you, you want to go out and do what you can at nationals.
1: So, yeah, you mentioned the fall, then into the spring and kind of talk about personally, like what – major is you're going to graduate in the springtime and then what what does the future hold for chandler gibbons
3: yeah so i graduated last spring um with a double major in political science and accounting so this year i'm in the masters of accounting program here um and i'll graduate or i'll finish that up in the start of april um and so for about two months my focus will just purely be on track, which I think is is a really cool aspect of the program uh, here at KU. But the reason we do that is uh, the last month or month and a half of classes are really spent studying for the CPA exam. And so that's kind of my professional aspiration after, you know, I graduate is to take the CPA exam and I have a job lined up for next year in Chicago with one of the accounting firms there. So, Excellent. I man. feel yeah. like Come
1: on. I, I feel like I accomplished nothing. I <laughs> <laughs> already well, graduated. That was
2: great. Well, it's great to be able to hear you excelling, you know, in the the field of competition, but also in the classroom and exciting to see that you're gonna represent the University of Kansas well in the professional sector, uh, which is really really impressive. And and this is a special shout out question to our to our producer, behind the scenes guy, Ben Messner, whose daughter is actually getting ready to compete in her, her eighth grader junior high state uh, cross country championship for all the young listeners, the young runners out there. What is the best piece of advice that Chandler Gibbons can give uh, to these aspiring uh, young athletes out there?
3: I mean, the the thing is, there's a lot of a lot of tips and tricks that people can try and give, but really it just boils down to how consistent you are and you know how how willing you are to be disciplined and get your work done. Um, You know, there's the, the really interesting thing about, you know, cross country and track is there's not some little technique thing that you can learn where it's, you know, that it's gonna cut minutes off of your time or anything. You know, there's there's tips and tricks with a lot of other sports where, you know, someone who's maybe an amateur, or, you know, just getting started can can make a big improvement. But really, the biggest thing is you know showing up and getting your work done uh every day and being you know dedicated enough to see every day as an opportunity to get better um you know there's there's a ton of, of small things that can add up uh across your day where you know if you're not getting your sleep that you need to get you're not getting your recovery done um whether that's rolling out you're doing normatech you're taking an ice bath you're you know, doing anything that, that might facilitate recovery for you. And then, you know, the biggest thing is getting your run in every day. And, you know, I I said it a second ago, just seeing every, every day as an opportunity to go get better, because, you know, that's, that's all you can do. Um, all the only way you can look at it is, you know, how am I going to continue to improve myself? Um, it's a very individually driven sport. So, you, you really have to see it as what can what can I do for myself and therefore it's going to help the team because they're going to have an individual who's stronger
1: that's great advice and it's that way in every sport it's it's repetition right and you just said hey just yeah. have a have a plan and stick to it every day consistency and
3: repeat, discipline
1: wash rinse repeat right
3: yeah and yeah when i say you know there's other there's other tips and tricks in other sports that's not to undermine anything that sure. you know anyone else does because every everyone at this level is going to say you know you got to show up every day right um i just think it's it's really unique that that running is you know there's there's really one thing that you can do to get better and it's it's running right <laughs>
2: And I'm looking back to our producer, Ben, gave it a thumbs up on that nice commentary and words of advice. And, and we're going to expect a big performance out of his daughter this weekend. And then we'll pass the information along to you because you might have coaching in your future, depending on how, how she does.
3: Yeah. How about that? Well, Chandler, well, good, we good luck to her this weekend.
1: Well, Chandler, we appreciate your time. Wish you nothing but the best the rest of the way in the fall, into the spring, getting his master's in accounting. I mean, guy's a hustler. No time to sleep.
2: Maybe could run for president, too, with the double major. um, There
1: you you go. But, again, (laughs) hey, appreciate us getting a a tiger out of tiger country, turning them into a lifelong Jayhawk. Now your goal should be go back to Columbia and do a little more conversions. (laughs) Get, 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 Get some more people to see the light. Get rid of that horrible combination of black and gold. Teach them how to actually spell their state correctly there's no z in missouri but they don't they don't even spell their state correct so continue to do the work wearing a red shirt a blue shirt go back to columbia thanksgiving christmas and and spread the word and rock chalk you know i will all right that was chandler gibbons uh your division one track athlete of the week breaking jim ryan's record all kinds of accolades and there's only more to come just getting started just get started. Uh, I uh, My personal cross-country story was brief uh, in order to get into shape at Shawnee Mission South for freshman basketball. Yeah, how'd that work out for I you? I joined the cross-country team. First day, they're like, all right, let's go do a warm-up, two and a half miles, Shawnee Mission South, like basically run a circle around down down Nall to 103rd and back up uh, Lamar or whatever. And I was like, what? This is a two and a half-mile warm-up? And we would go and see a buddy, and they'd give us a ride. And so we cheated on running, which is the entire sport. And the coach eventually discovered that we weren't running like we were supposed to. So we were asked to leave the team very politely. (laughs) And I did not get a letter or anything in cross country. So uh, I had to find a different way to get in shape for basketball season. We we, we figured it out. But uh, what a good show today. Andy Colton Necky, Chandler Gibbons. Uh, bi-week for football, but the rest of the world doesn't stop. I mean, there's track meets, golf matches, volleyball matches, uh, volleyball swept was it Oklahoma, Oklahoma last week? Oklahoma, yeah. So they're now, what are they ranked? Uh, I want to say 14th. Yeah, Is on that pace correct? to
2: potentially host for the NCAA tournament. So Greg Richard and that group continue to excel in conference play.
1: Basketball, not a lot going on, kind of the dog days of practice. Had late night a couple of weeks ago. That went average to below average. Dog days with the side of number one preseason
2: ranking with the side of preseason Big 12 Player of the Year and a couple other names mentioned in there. So I guess if you call that a a side in the the preseason of Kansas basketball, that's that's pretty decent. Some, you, I, know, I know a lot of other programs would get pretty excited about that, but if you want to gloss over it, okay.
1: Okay, well I appreciate you calling <laughs> me out. Uh, you and I were present yesterday for the, they had a scrimmage where they bring officials in and it it uh, was fine, you know. It wasn't. Uh, it was this, you know. It kind of coincidence with the preseason number one. Fran is there. We got we got all these different NBA guys there, and and uh, you know it was good. I wouldn't say you know I had to go one way or another, but obviously uh, uh, things to improve on. But uh, preseason number one, you can't do much better than that, right? Yeah, yeah,
2: and it's early, and uh, a lot of times what that does is is heap uh, an enormous amount of expectation not just on the season outcome, but on practice leading up to it. And so, uh, rightfully so, it kind of leads coaching to sometimes cracking a heavier whip on those guys just to make sure that maybe they don't feel themselves a little bit or or read their own press or buy into those type of things. Uh, Keep keep them hungry and keep them working.
1: Uh, We're 11 days away from our first game, the fundraiser that will be in Champaign, Illinois, sold out. State Farm Arena, the Jayhawks will take on the Illini. And uh, with the new – with the kick time coming out yesterday 11 a.m., I believe we're going to get to watch at least the first half, maybe three quarters, and we'll hop on a bird and fly to Champaign and um, get ready to play at 5 o'clock on the 29th against Brad Underwood and his uh, Illini. So we'll find out a lot then. And, and it's great because we've never had a road – exhibition game, to my knowledge, and especially one like this. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It's for a great cause. We're going to find out what we got against real guys, and then we'll come back and have another exhibition game before we go at it for real. So, uh, it's sneaking up on us. Our uh, Our lives are, I wouldn't say almost over, but we get much more busy when you take football, basketball, and everything else that we do. So, but I'm not complaining. It's a fun busy. The sports equinox. Yes. Well, travel got got uh, Chicago. We got Honolulu. We got Bloomington. Uh, so we got quite a quite a trek here. But uh, again, Oklahoma comes to town. Top five ranked, undefeated Oklahoma after knocking off Texas. So every opportunity to shock the world. Homecoming. The booth's going to be packed. Come
2: on, Rob Thompson.
1: KU Baseball,
2: Philadelphia, Philly manager out there. So if you're looking for a team to hit your wagon to on the uh, ALCS – or is it ALCS? NL. Yeah, yeah, NLCS, man. Go ahead and cheer for the Phillies.
1: Cheer for Jayhawk. Heck, yeah. They're bombing it, bashing it. Home runs, and so it was fun to watch that. Uh, But Rob Thompson, long time with the New York Yankees, finally got his shot at managing – World Series appearance last year ends up losing, but we had him on. We had him on. We had Circle him on. back, have a listen to that. Yeah, Rob Thompson, great Jayhawk, and he had a he had a really cool story because had absolutely no Kansas ties. He was from he was from California or somewhere. It didn't have anything to do with Kansas. And somebody goes, "Hey, you got to try." You know, now he's a lifelong Jayhawk. We we'll hear that story a lot, but a uh, lot going on. Pack the booth Sunday, the twenty eighth, homecoming. Uh, we've done a great job the last couple home games. This is one of three remaining home games in the, in Memorial Stadium as we know it. As we know it, we're you know you drive around campus right now and, and right there over there in the lot. What is that? Ninety six ish. There's four construction trailers set up and they've gravelled the lots and there's there's activity now getting ready. To because it's an it's an aggressive timeline. December first, let's say, we're gonna knock that sucker down and then essentially August first, it needs to be up in twenty five, right? So that's an aggressive timeline. But I don't have any reason to believe it's not gonna be done, it's gonna be perfect, we're gonna be on a roll, gonna be winning, you know, no more of this five and two, we're gonna be seven and oh next year and just keep, keep building Andy Colton was great. And uh, there, I mentioned it. He's locked up through 27. So is coach Leipold on, on and beyond. And so we've got the infrastructure we're building around it. Uh, guys are going to keep coming and wanting to come. And uh, uh, we're just in a good place right now. It was a frustrating finish last week against Oklahoma state looked like world beaters. Those first three quarters, and then something clicked uh, in that fourth, unfortunately, for Oklahoma State. But I'll leave you with one pretty cool anecdote about Coach K. At, at this time, this is January 12th of last year. It was Amy's birthday. We're at a, a place we really enjoy, Culinaria, uh, back on the east side yeah, of Lawrence. East it's great. Uh, Jane and Amy and I are in there having dinner. Andy and his wife are in there. I'd met him. You know, hey, how you doing, Coach? Now he doesn't necessarily know me. We we talked briefly. He him and his wife leave. Uh, I go to pay my bill and they go, Oh no, the that guy took care of it. He bought our dinner. Oh, put you on a scholarship? It's I crazy. didn't I didn't even have his number. I had to call Coach Leipold and said I need I need his number to thank him. But it was just a cool thing. Like he didn't need to do that. And and uh he had just gotten a big raise. So it was the right <laughs> it was the it was the right thing to do, you know, a lowly athletic department employee like you and me, but uh Again, one of the really, really good guys, and, and we're really fortunate to have him. I liked him before that story. That was great. like him even know. more. we I mean, just added it yeah. on. Well, Jay Elker Podcast, uh, brought to you by the University of Kansas Health System and the downtown president, Hilton Hotel, Phillip Stranade, Power and Light. Get down and see him. Book your rooms. December 30th, Wichita State, Big 12 Tournament. I'm sure about 50 concerts in between there. It's the best. We'll be there, drum room, brown water, bring in the new year. Why are you laughing at that? You act like you you won't be there with it's me. one of my favorite sayings. I love that you say that. It's what one like, of my favorites. That I, what, drum room? No,
2: brown water. Oh, you like brown water. Well,
1: <laughs> we know we each like it. So, uh, again, j Podcast, University of Kansas Health System, Wayne Simeon, Greg Gurley, Rock Chalk.